0: Hello, Nephew community. I hope you are all doing well. My name is Jamini Patel, and I am a Nephrology Medical Science Liaison with Otska Pharmaceutical Development and Commercialization, Inc. Today, I'm joined by Hannah Graves, who is the Director of Transplant Outreach at Apex Health Innovations and a Transplant Social Worker at Piedmont Transplant Institute in Atlanta. Hannah Graves is a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology in 2009, followed by a master's degree in social work from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee at the Helen Bader School of Social Welfare. Hannah has significant experience working in hospice, short-term rehab, and in dialysis from 2016 to 2019. Currently, Hannah works for Apex Health Innovations, a global healthcare technology company, and Piedmont Transplant Institute, supporting patients through their transplant journey. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to hear everything that you have to share with us. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, anytime. And, um, you know, one thing with social workers that I've noticed as a pharmacist is we often don't really understand you know, what your role is specifically in nephrology. Can you start by
1: explaining kind of what you do and how that impacts our kidney patients? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for asking. It's um, kind of a little cloistered community. And I'm gotta be honest, I didn't know about nephrology social work until I saw a position posted needing a dialysis social worker. And I said, okay, well, let me try my hand at this. And I entered this community of just really, Um, interesting resources and complicated um, patient outcomes. And it seemed like that we were making this harder than it needed to be, but there is such a dedicated group of professionals, particularly my social work colleagues. I can't say enough about how many dialysis, nephrology, transplant social workers walk amongst us that we don't even realize until you start to have um, the conversations until kidney disease becomes prevalent in your own family, or you hear about it on the news, or maybe you'll see a public service announcement, and then it's everywhere. And then I see dialysis centers all throughout my community, and particularly the social worker is mandated as a requirement by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to be in the dialysis center. And the reason why that is so important is speaking to not only the physical health of the patient in the clinic, which is a very rigorous treatment operation. Patients come three to um, three times a week for in-center dialysis. It can also be completed at home. But A nurse has to manage and a technician has to be involved in this very laborious um, treatment modality, but it also speaks to how much psychosocial needs are, are needed by these patients. And that includes things like just being able to navigate the healthcare system. We all have our own personal stories of how challenging It is to get an appointment, and make it to your appointment and navigate the hospital to find the doctor's office. And so um, this particular group is working not only with a physical ailment of a chronic condition, but also trying to navigate Medicare, disability, their own treatment options. Is transplant an option? What does that look like? How do I do that? And then meanwhile, trying to still care for homes and families and bills and, and have a good quality of life. And so that is um, really where the social worker steps in and helps with managing not only the stresses of the daily life, living with a chronic illness, but mobilizing resources that are available that A patient who is new or even a veteran to the the group may not know is available to assist them. Things like transportation assistance, assistance with uh, utilities, with um, insurance premiums. And so we just, we rely on our social work community to get the word out about not only education, but resources. So they are very, very busy people. Um, So they don't often have an opportunity to advocate or educate on uh, what their role is.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing that, you know, as a pharmacist I worked in the intensive care unit for nearly four years, and you know we have a social worker there all the time, but we really don't understand what their roles are and everything that they are responsible for that makes not only our lives, but our patients' lives so much easier. So thank you so much for sharing that and educating us on the value that you bring to all of our patients. And you mentioned, you know, you work in transplant, you work with uh, kidney disease patients, you know, all of the things that they have to go through, not just from the physical aspect of having to deal with CKD, dialysis, perhaps transplant even or facing transplant, but the mental aspect of it all. And, you know, we know that CKD patients experience a wide array of mental health issues. Can you speak to the impact of CKD and kidney failure on mental health
1: that you've seen in your patients? Absolutely. It's such a um, kind of a quiet Um, villain mental health for all of us living in in the world. It's a challenge uh, to talk about, to feel like we have a place where we're safe to be um, open and conversational about mental health, but particularly in the chronically ill population and specifically chronic kidney disease or even end-stage kidney disease, there's such a loss felt by these patients, such a Um, a grief almost that when you have to perhaps start dialysis, your life changes so much. The productivity that you always felt you were able to do is diminished because not only do you not feel well, but you have to dedicate a good portion of your time to your treatment, to your ability to compensate for your Um, organ failure, which if you just think about the idea of that, there's organs in your body that have failed and that you're, you're classified as end stage. And that's such a scary word to hear and to have to be classified kind of over and over, kind of just nonchalantly by the medical population. Is, is it's like taking a hit to your, to your heart directly, because you've never considered yourself sick. You've never, you know, not gone to work or taking care of your responsibilities. And especially now that we're seeing, um, these diseases hitting younger and younger populations, young families just starting out or um, professionals kind of feeling like they were just getting going in their careers, or even our folks who've worked their life and were looking forward to retirement are so disappointed that instead of being able to do the things that they were looking forward to, they now have to manage this, this chronic medical condition. And it is very time consuming. We almost of joke about it in the dialysis center is a part-time job like you're there you know three to four hours three times a week you almost see the people in the clinic more than you maybe even see your own families and so you kind of get this weight just kind of weighing on you and a lot of resiliency factors are seen we have such strong folks that um, tackle this very huge challenge um, in stride but it's it's draining um, mentally, physically, and emotionally um, to have to do this treatment modality. And so we see it in the clinic often, and we spend, we being my fellow social workers and the nurses and the technicians and our dietitians talking with our patients, providing education, giving options, because powerlessness feeling like you have no choices can really drain your mental health and that is what we see so often and often when we see patients especially when they're brand new um, perhaps they didn't know they had kidney disease and and this is all just they're trying to absorb it and um, how do you do that and so we're seeing more and more, unfortunately, patients in our community that have mental health concerns. And so many don't want you to say, oh, you're crazy. It's like, no, you're not crazy. You're responding to a very difficult situation very appropriately. And how can we help connect you with resources? So um, that's a great deal of our time is helping our patients adjust and uh, meet their quality of life goals.
0: Yeah, no, that's great to to
1: hear and understand.
0: You know, one thing, one question I had for you was, you know, how often do you face patients who are, who don't know how to communicate that they have or are struggling with a mental health concern? You know, oftentimes, you know, they are cultural tendencies where patients may feel uncomfortable talking about mental health or, you know, they feel like talking about mental health is a sign of weakness. Do you ever encounter those kinds of patients where you either have to pull it out of them or really encourage them that it's a safe space to discuss their mental
1: health concerns? Such a great point And absolutely right, hit the nail on the head. Um, Because we, as a people, particularly in the United States, but not solely to our country, are very much an industrious people. We talk about what we do for work, how we value ourselves, and how we are seen compared to others as how much money we make, and as such, what kind of life we can provide for ourselves and our family. And so when you are ill or unable to do what you've always classified in your space as being successful, so much of your identity falls away and you feel perhaps like you're left with nothing. And and that terribly voided feeling to hold inside and not speak to is just eroding. And so often the social workers spend quite a bit of time establishing their relationship with the patient and allowing the patient to express when and how they feel. And oftentimes we see it in anger, um, kind of outbursts or um, perhaps not being very nice um, to the clinic staff. And that's when the social worker gets pulled over is you have to go talk to this person because they are um, outbursting inappropriately. And when you really sit down and talk about it, it's, it's not that it was that person or that situation. It's just this building up of emotions that just burst forth because they had no other outlet. And that is What we spend so much time in, in my social worker colleagues, of course, but also the entire clinic interdisciplinary team is a part of helping the patient to normalize their experience so that they feel comfortable sharing when they're having a tough time, because there are really great resources available that perhaps never were. Um, known as well in the past, and that's what your social worker is here is to connect you, and not that you're crazy or that you've done something wrong or you didn't do something correct or you're being punished. That's always one that um, patients feel so so torn about is that they've done something to earn this terrible thing that's happened to them, and 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 it's just being present providing empathic listening more often than not patients know exactly what they need to do it's just working up the courage to say it out loud and to say it to somebody who can actually help get that end and so many times we see our patients trying to talk with family or friends that just may not be in a place to hear truly hear what they're saying. And that's where the social worker comes in, um, establishing that relationship. And it takes time. It's not often your first meeting um, that you'll go and someone will confess their soul to you of, of being burdened with difficult feelings. But um, that is the, the nature of being able to see the patient multiple times in one week and what we social workers were trained for. And to me personally, my favorite experience is helping a patient move from a challenging time through a resource and come out the other side and not be perfect, but to feel so much better and to know there are resources available.
0: Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I mean, I think one of those things is, you know, especially from somebody who kind of struggles with mental health myself but you know sometimes just having somebody like you mentioned speaking to you with an empathetic uh, manner and understanding and providing you that safe space is really sometimes all you need because oftentimes in our families it can be difficult to open up uh, especially if you're kind of the family breadwinner or the head and you're supposed to be the strong one you know quote unquote and 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 be the provider that can be really difficult i think for some patients to to take and to swallow and to to, to kind of grieve the loss of that if you will but sometimes i also feel like these patients and i noticed this in the icu too it was you know i feel like they're burdened with Maybe how their families or care partners are feeling and the emotions that they're going through as well. And I want to kind of get your understanding or your insight on how, you know, CKD, kidney failure, or even dialysis kind of impacts the family of the patient and the caregivers, because I don't think we really talk so much about or learn a lot about how to help those
1: folks out either. Thank you for saying it so much of the medical community is reliant on the patient having support. And that could be very traditional, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, being able to step in as a caregiver and as we have all experienced in our life not everybody is built to be a caregiver or to understand or be empathic or be present oftentimes our families are very uncomfortable for us but don't often articulate it very well right because they want to fix it and move on and not have you struggle any longer but that's the struggle with chronic illness. It is chronic. It is, it is a marathon and not a sprint. And so, so much of what we in the dialysis and transplant setting is speaking to support, supporting our caregivers so they can support our patients. And that is, comes in the form of, um, there are great support groups just for caregivers. And they're all different, very specific kind of groups um, for specific illnesses but often just um when a loved one is ill for an acute period of time or a chronic just having someone who understands and says that is an totally appropriate way to feel you are not crazy you are not making things up and what you feel is valid and so many times um caregivers are so appreciative and we so we speak to resources we speak to the the hardship that the family is under when your loved one is ill and so many patients want to spare their loved ones from this struggle But when your loved one isn't well, you aren't well. And so looking to support the entire system as opposed to the patient is also part of of the goal of the social worker and and the entire clinic as well. Um, Because if a patient doesn't have good support and they don't have reliable transportation to get to their clinic appointments, well, they're not going to live very long because they're not getting the care that they need. So it really is, it takes a village. We say that all the time um, in many different projects that we're under, that it takes a village to get this done, and it takes a village to be successful in healthcare, and that's what we really look to help the patient create, especially if they are trying to isolate away from those who care for them in the spirit of saving them, but really um, your loved ones want to help. They just don't know how, so education, resources, and support is really the cornerstone of the social worker when supporting the family unit.
0: You know, thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing that, um, you know, we often don't think so much about our care partners and we definitely need to be focused as an interdisciplinary team to care for them as well. And, you know, one of the more common mental health concerns that we see, not just in CKD and kidney failure, but really across the country that's become more prevalent, uh, that has become certainly a forefront of focus during the pandemic, post-pandemic is depression, and it's much higher and associated with worse quality of life, increased death amongst adults with chronic kidney disease, certainly compared to those without. Um, And in some kidney failure studies um, suggest that the incidence of depression is as high as 49%, which is incredibly high. How can nephrology social workers really support patients and help to improve these outcomes as part of an interdisciplinary
1: team? Absolutely, right on time with the conversation about depression. And, and so many people hear the word depression and become immediately defensive and I'm not depressed. And, you know, we have our Hollywood images of depression ranging from someone who's so bitterly depressed that they can't get out of bed, but it really speaks to interruption in your quality of life. Are you no longer able to participate in the activities that bring you joy? And if you can't participate because of an illness, well, that just compounds the ability to be able to enjoy yourself. And so, um, so many of these things are not A equals B, B equals C. It's very convoluted. And so it takes a little time to pull these things apart and really identify cause and consequence. And oftentimes in the journey, you really never know why this happened and and you have to be at peace moving forward so that you can find a new joy that maybe looks similar, but not exactly the same. And then coming to terms with that acceptance. And some people you see, boy, it looks like they don't even skip a beat. And some people get hung up for years on one thing that to an outsider, looks like a very trivial matter, but to them is the whole world. So so much of what the nephrology social worker population does is we have measurement tools that kind of help us gauge what resources can be employed, and then considering the patient's individual situation, developing a plan of action and setting goals with the patient that's important to them. So, I may think a goal would be you know, if they really enjoyed running, for example, and they just don't feel well you know, the patient may want to get back to running. Well, maybe a more appropriate goal would be to increase stamina by going for walks um, on your non-dialysis treatment days um, to improve stamina and get stronger. And by just being outside and remembering what it is that you loved about running was really being outside or being closer to nature or what was it. And so I never really thought about why I loved running. Well, the reason is, is I felt so good afterwards. Well, what was it about that? It was being outside. It was being in the sunshine. It was stepping away from whatever the challenges were in life. So if you really have someone to help you break down the pieces of things that you never really stopped to think about because you were busy being alive, um, we really spend a lot of time and that's what we're trained to do. And especially my fellow clinical social workers spend a great deal of time learning the different strategies, techniques that can be used for counseling to help someone best reach their goals. So depression can look like many different things in many different people. And the hard part is unless you are willing, and that's the the key to all of this and all things that we do is that you have to be a willing participant to move the needle. And that is the hardest thing for me to watch a fellow man struggle and know that there could be a better outcome. But until they are ready to take that step, I remain patient and present Um, but until you are involved in your care. And that is really um, the line that we walk in nephrology. Social work is being present, but not being pushy and being available for when the time is right for the patient. So I really just can't say enough about what a journey it is and how we as a people want to get to our destination just as quickly as possible. Um, But when in life, if we were all really honest with ourselves, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to get to, there's great accomplishments along the way, but it is the journey and not the destination. And that's what we in the social work world really try to advocate for our patients is this may not be the journey you thought you were going to be on, but it can still be a good one. And I think I can help you find that way.
0: I think that's great. I think so much
1: of it is, you know, managing
0: expectations, understanding that, you know, you may not be 100% where you want to be um, in your mental health journey. Um, and, and the counseling, I think, is key because oftentimes when we at least from a clinical perspective, when we hear that a patient has depression, a lot of people jump to, oh, what medication can we give them, right? They're always jumping to a pill and sometimes that's not the solution. And I say that as a pharmacist, having seen so many of my patients on either one or even multiple antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications. And sometimes they don't even have that other piece of counseling, breaking down, you know, what is it really that brings them joy and how could they see themselves getting back to that. So I think you bring up an excellent point with that, that social workers are uniquely positioned to provide. And I think that's what really um, allows patients in the setting when they interact with a social worker to have better outcomes and have reduced depression. And I think that's uh, something that's invaluable uh, in this setting. Um, What do you think, you know, I feel like sometimes that, you know, providers, the multidisciplinary team, sometimes can get disjointed and we don't know how to work with each other smoothly, how to communicate with each other smoothly. How can patients, care partners, social workers, and providers really work together to help the patient on their mental health journey?
1: That is. Boy, that's an excellent question. And if I think if we could solve that, we might be on a multi-million dollar idea (laughs) that would blow this wide open and we'd be seeing some great outcomes. And there really are quite a few teams out there that work just seamlessly, understanding each other's roles and knowing what's my piece in this puzzle and what's yours and respectfully staying in your lane, but also knowing when you're outmatched and you need to pull in on outside resource. And that's really an ongoing, another marathon, if you will, and not a sprint, is the the constant evolution of the team as new members join and and former members move on to new opportunities. And I think it's really the burden on each role to be um, inclusive and to provide education because so many people never know what a social worker does. And they see me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're going to take my kid out of my home. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to take your child for heaven's sake. So um, having those opportunities to have a conversation and say, this is my role and this is what I do and this is what I was trained to do. And the physician saying, you know, I'm a nephrologist, I am really great at the kidney. If you do have GI concerns, or if we're concerned about your heart, then I'm going to refer you to a specialist because you deserve that level of knowledge and care from someone who specializes. So It's really being conversational and being honest and being upfront, like you said, managing expectations. Is this something I can expect help from you? Yes or no, and more often than not, if not all the time, patients totally understand that you don't have a magic wand and you can't fix it um, simply by snapping your fingers. Um, And it's part because they have a journey to do on their own and their development of their best self is ahead of them. And and that's kind of something that we need to remember in healthcare because we always just love fixing it. We all got into healthcare Um, Because we want to help people and we want to fix it and we want to make it better. And so much of life is just being there, walking the path with the person. You're not alone and you're not crazy. This is very difficult. And having those conversations and moving those resources so that everyone has the opportunity. And that's the greatest gift I think that the healthcare team can give is just acknowledging That mental health concerns happen and they happen more often than not and we see it all the time and that doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you've done something wrong or that this is the end of the line. It's just the beginning and we're here to help.
0: Yeah, you bring up an excellent point. Sometimes just that presence, the validation of the patient's emotions, feelings, difficulties that they're going through means so much to them. And them knowing that you're on this journey with them to their better selves and their better health. I think that matters so much more. And they're so grateful and appreciative to have that more than just you coming in in a moment and trying to Fix the problem, which kind of can make them feel like a project. Um, so I think that you bring up an excellent point there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for that enlightening discussion. We really appreciate your insight and time. I know I certainly learned a lot about your role and the value that you bring, and hopefully this helps patients and caregivers to really understand or better understand the incredible value that social workers bring, uh, especially in the nephrology setting and how we can all better collaborate to provide exceptional care to patients. Thank you to our nephew community for listening in. We really hope you enjoyed this discussion. Thank you.